This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. There has been some discussion on Capitol Hill about ways to increase tax revenue to assist the government bottom line. One way being touched on involves retirement savings instead of traditional 401k accounts where the tax is brought out when the account is drawn on in retirement. Some would like to see the tax come out before the contribution goes into the account. Then there would be no tax drawn on the back end. A recent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal looks at this idea and whether it is a good one. Wharton's Olivia Mitchell is co-author of the article, and she joins us here in studio. She is a professor of finance and director of the Pension Research Council here at the Wharton School. Good to see you. Delighted to be with you. Thank you. So I guess take us into this idea of rothification of retirement accounts and, and how this has all kind of come about. Well, I think the discussion really started at the national level uh, when the Trump administration came into power a couple of years ago and started talking about tax reform. And one of the components that was discussed then, not much now, unfortunately, is how to raise additional revenue to close some of the big gaps. So, for example, right now, uh, the federal deficit is over a trillion dollars. The federal debt is $23 trillion. Yeah. And the Social Security shortfall is $43 trillion. So sooner or later, we're going to have to start looking at sources of new revenue. Now, currently, uh, contributions that are put in in a tax-qualified manner into retirement accounts cost the government, this is the way they like to talk about it, cost the government $100 billion a year in mm. tax revenue. Now, some of that does come back later when people retire and pay um, taxes on their benefits. Right. But the model that's being proposed is to flip the tax structure so that instead of putting in tax-free money or tax-deferred money, you would pay tax on your income, then decide how much to contribute and get it tax-free later. The advantage to the government is that they would hurry up the uh, access to the tax money. There are more complicated issues, though. And so our, our article has focused on whether it would be a net wash or would the government get just as much sooner as later under both regimes, or whether it would be worse in terms of tax revenue. And we should give credit to your co-author, Ramon More, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, from uh, who's a professor over in Germany who worked with you on this as well. Correct. Raymond Maurer, Maurer and I have worked together quite a long time. And what we've done is we've built a very realistic model, taking into account all kinds of details that haven't been focused on before. So some comments to the Wall Street Journal article said, well, it's really obvious if you're in the same tax bracket when you're working as when you retire, then it's a wash. There's no difference. Right. But that's not way too simple. In fact, we have progressive income taxes. You may well be in a different tax bracket when you're retired. We have social security taxes. The benefits are progressive, um, and so you have to take that into account. Moreover, your social security benefits under a current regime are partially subject to tax, as is the rest of your income. Um, If you take your money out too early from a retirement account, you have to pay a penalty plus income tax. 
facts. So our model takes all these complex stories into account, and then we try to predict what the effect of Rothification would be. Well, one of the things that, that you touch on in this article, and it's something that you and I have talked about in the past, is just the mindset of, of the consumer of putting money away for retirement. Now, it's one thing if it's coming out of your paycheck and realistically you're not thinking about it. It's another thing if you have to, you know, you get your paycheck and then you have to make that decision of how much to put away. People obviously are, in most cases, are going to be worried about their bills that they have to get paid off and, and all that before they would even think about a process of putting in retirement money themselves after the fact. Well, this is true, and um, I think one of the great advantages of having a retirement account at your place of employment is that if the money is out of sight, it's out of mind. Right. Um, but many employers have actually already established Roth 401k accounts. And by the way, it's named Roth after the senator that proposed this, this new model. So it's already a fact in many uh, places of employment, and some people are splitting their bets. They're saying, well, I'll put a little bit into the Roth account, a little bit into the the regular 401k account, and then we'll see what happens down the road. But this proposal would raise $100 billion a year in tax revenues, and that's not chump change yeah. if you're talking about debts on this level at the side, uh, on, the, on the side of the federal government. Um, but what we did find in our model, and we modeled uh, low-income, middle-income, and high-income workers so we could get a sense of the distributional impacts as well, what we did find is that in in the Roth world, where you don't, where you pay taxes on your income first, and then you don't pay income taxes later, is that people would actually work slightly less, fewer yeah. hours per week, but they would delay claiming in order to get higher Social Security benefits. Right. Um, so it's not a clear-cut, you know, solution. We also found that people would contribute less, not surprisingly, to a 401k plan because you wouldn't get the tax advantage of doing so. And um, the big punchline and the surprise to us was that lifetime tax payments would decline under the Roth system by 6 to 10 percent. So even though the government would get its money sooner, it would not get as much revenue as it hoped. So it, it would end up losing out in the end because of some of these elements you just laid out, working fewer hours, maybe not working as much, and that trade-off between when you start to take the, the, the retirement money in comparison to the Social Security as well. Right. But since the federal government and Congress has a 10-year window for calculating the benefits and costs of different tax changes, it would look good because all these extra revenues would pop up during the 10-year window yeah. and the losses or the lack of collection of taxes later would not be calculated. So this is uh, something that may well be quite appealing to the current uh, future Congress and president, because as I said, the red ink is very deep in Washington. And that delay or that difference in timing in terms of taking the benefits, uh, you lay it out in, in a chart in that. It's about what, about a year or a year and a half in terms of where people would be taking the benefits if they had the traditional 401k in comparison to this new kind of Roth plan. Right. So currently we estimate people are retiring about a year to a year and a half earlier and claiming their benefits earlier than they would under the Roth regime. The other thing we computed was... Um, how consumption paths would differ. In other words, would retirees 
be able to consume more or less Mm -hmm. under this alternative tax scheme for pensions. And we estimated that consumption for retirees would be substantially less. So all in all, um, people would work a little bit longer. That may be good for the Social Security system, uh, but they're giving up leisure. They're going to consume a little bit less, so it would not help retirees. What about the overall, just then the wealth accumulation would be less as well? Correct. It's absolutely true that the money in the 401k accounts would be lower, but it's a little bit uh, tricky, nuanced, exactly, because if you think about the money we currently have in our 401k or 403b plans or even defined benefit pensions, those are pre-tax. And so when time comes to take the money out, you're going to have to pay some of the benefits to the government. So they're it's like comparing apples and oranges. It's not strictly comparable. That's why I like the comparison of work and of consumption, because those are the things that really matter to us. Well, and it's also coming at a time where, and again, something we've talked about, is we're also in this time window now because of the recession a decade ago, where we're seeing people work longer in general in their careers anyway, some of them trying to make up the money that they lost during during the recession. And some of them may well be working longer to make up the money they lost last week at That's this point. That's true, too. Yeah, exactly right. We're joined here by Olivia Mitchell, who is uh, in studio talking about the op-ed that uh, she was part of that appeared in the uh, in the Wall Street Journal. I, I find it interesting because the dynamic at play here uh, of the decision process of having it done or, or you having to do it. That's a that's a dynamic that is very, very important for the consumer and, and for their overall security moving forward. So it's very true that um, you need, you really need a very specific and detailed economic model to be able to predict and to simulate the impacts of these reforms because otherwise we're flying in the dark. Um, the another key point we found is that the low wage workers, people with a high school education or less, would actually not be that affected because mm-hmm. a they're not saving that much anyway. B they're not paying that much income tax. So the group that would be most influenced by the change to having the money go in after tax and then being able to take it out without paying tax later, is the college-educated population. And they would be the ones who would be working longer and potentially consuming a little bit less. So that's why you have to take these differences into account. Going all the way up the income scale, no matter what level that person is bringing in income, college graduates would be impacted overall in general. Relatively more strongly than low-educated people. Right. Right. Olivia Mitchell joining us here in studio. I guess then the bigger question is, do we need to have a kind of a changing of the structure, a repeal uh, of the current structure, or even tweaking the system? In order to uh, fix the federal deficit and the Social Security shortfall, I think there will have to be a number of different changes. Um, people have talked about changing the benefit formula under Social Security, making it grow less quickly. People have talked about raising taxes or even um, getting rid of the Social Security taxable maximum over which you're not subject to additional taxes. That latter change is actually fairly um, not helpful because there are so few people that earn above that tax cap that you're really only going to change the solvency of the system for a couple of years. But there does, I think, have to be a broad uh, reanalysis of the impacts of 
keeping promises made to senior citizens versus who's going to pay for the additional taxes to keep those promises. How important then is it to address this right now in some fashion? And again, we've talked with you numerous times about the issues surrounding Social Security. That window is closing in. You know, we're about, what, a decade and a half away from that. Uh, that's starting to hit on the, on the radar. So how important is it to start to address these issues right now? I think it's critical to start looking at how we're going to solve some of these big debt and deficit issues because the uncertainty that these factors have um, that that they uh, impart to business uh, managers, to people thinking about investing is enormous. If you don't know whether you'll be able to um, keep your money protected from tax downstream or at least have the current tax rules rules be uh, predictable, then it's very difficult to decide where to invest, how to invest, or whether to invest. I I would also be interested to know, and maybe this it's not necessarily in the area that you talked about, but I think it's an interesting element to think about uh, of if you were to go more towards the Roth and you have that money taken out at, at the outset and you are left with X amount at the end, without having to worry about the tax, of what kind of impact that would have on your spending patterns at that period of your time, especially when you're talking about a period where you're probably going to have more health expenses. You're going to, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have more potentially coming into play at that point with having X amount in comparison to, to how that would be impacted uh, if you still had to pay the tax at that time. I think this is a real appeal of the Roth model. That is, at least as long as the rules are kept inviolate, they, they're, they're maintained. The promise that you won't have to pay taxes on your retirement benefits really can make you plan and anticipate a more secure retirement. Right now, I worry, however, that they tell you in a Roth plan you won't have to pay taxes on the benefits. Nevertheless, given these uh, big financial problems that the government faces, who knows if those promises will be kept? What has been the reaction you've been getting to for this op-ed? Um, a lot of people. So I do read the comments. I haven't responded to them yet because I'm in the middle of designing a new course on financial literacy. <laughs> but um, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you can't trust the government. The future tax regime is unknown. So why do you even bother to do that? And there's another group that says, well, we already know that if you're in the same tax bracket when you're young as when you're old, it won't be um, very, it'll be a wash. But so the purpose of this model and the purpose of the analysis is to say, let's bring in people in different income brackets with different tax regimes that they're facing with the penalties and the RMDs, or required minimum distributions, et cetera. And let's see how it will actually play out. And so that's the value of these models. But this would have to be more of a policy decision moving forward to make the changes necessary to, if you are going to make that move to more of a Roth idea? The idea of moving to a Roth policy would definitely have to be done at the federal level by Congress and the president. Um, but now we have more information that those policymakers are armed with and can be armed with. Yeah. And we can simulate alternative stories as well, like Roth up to this amount and so forth. Great having you here. Thanks very much for coming in. Greatly appreciate your insight. Always happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Olivia Mitchell, uh, professor here at the Wharton School, also uh, director of the Pension Research Council here at the Wharton School. 
To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.